Ladies and gentlemen, the Football Scoop Podcast is back. It's Thursday. I'm beating my chest because it's an incredible college football weekend. I am so excited to talk about this weekend. I'm not kidding you guys. I've looked at the schedule this morning a few times. It is chock full of awesomeness. It's going to be an incredible weekend. Scott Roussel joined by Zach Barnett, John Bryce, affectionately known as college football experts because these guys know more about college football than you do. Anyways... Guys, it's Thursday night. Let's talk Thursday, but I'm going to go quickly through that because Friday, there's like four unbelievable football games, and then Saturday is a billion or infinity great football games. Tonight, we got two uh, college football games, South Carolina State, South Carolina. I'm going to move past that one. Utah State, BYU. I'm going to move past that one. BYU is going to wax Utah State. Utah State's just not very good, and I don't know why. I'm moving on to Friday before you guys even get to get a word in because listen to these four games Friday night. Tulane at Houston, UTSA at Middle Tennessee, San Diego State, Boise, Washington at UCLA. Maybe the the biggest mismatch there is Washington, UCLA, and that's crazy because it's going to be a good game. I don't I don't understand the absence of love for New Mexico at UNLV. Come on, that's I mean it could be a big game. It's (laughs) UNLV is a much improved program. You're absolutely right. They are. They absolutely are. It's just I, I just don't get excited I, by New Mexico is my is my downfall there. But you're right. Tulane Talk, Houston is bananas though. Give give me some give me some quick takes on Tulane Houston. Go ahead, ZB. I mean, Houston seems like the one of the most miserable teams in college football right now. I know Dana came out and apologized for his post game comments, but they were. Uh, I mean, he wasn't necessarily off base in saying that Houston I think is the most penalized team in the country. Uh, Tulane is is so good that they went out and beat K-State before they beat Oklahoma. Uh, I think Houston, if they play to their potential, should win that game. But uh, has Houston played to its potential once in four games? I think I think Dana would tell us no. So I don't feel I don't really feel confident in picking either one of those teams. Flip side is Tulane goes and beats K-State and then comes home and loses to yes. Southern Miss, which is that yes. should not happen. Yeah, and, and you have to wonder if this is the game where Houston does put it all together after the backdrop of, of Dana being so ticked off and the fact that they've been a little bit disappointing. And certainly they're better than what we've seen from them this year, and it's a home game. Um, I think this is probably the game that, that Houston gets right. Um, that would be the direction that I'm leaning right now. I just think there's too much talent there. There's too much talent on the coaching staff. I think you guys know I'm a big duck belt guy. I think he's a really, really good defensive coordinator. It's time for all those parties involved to stand up. I, I'm not I'm not ruling out Tulane shocking him. Moving on, UTSA middle. This has all the potential to be a game of the year type stuff. Yeah, I mean, Middle Tennessee got rocked in their first game against James Madison. And then since then, you know, I do my, uh, my, my winning box scores column every Tuesday, and that tracks rushing yards, pass yards, turnovers, scoring first, lead at halftime. How often do those things correlate at winning? If you win all five of those, then in last year, this year, not one team has lost the game. They've won all five. Middle Tennessee has won all five. They've outrushed, outpassed, scored first, led at halftime, won turnovers in their last three games including against Miami. You wouldn't necessarily know it by looking at the scores, but they have been 
one of the most dominant teams in the country over the last three weeks. And obviously, you know, we saw that the way they just blew out Miami in a way that was much more convincing than the 45-31 final score. So uh, the fact that they get this at home, it's a, it's a blackout game. It's a Friday night game. UTSA is a little bit beat up. But at the same time, they're, they're the defending conference champions. So, Scott, like you said, you know, game of the year type stuff. This could be the game of the year in Conference USA. And uh, I, I think I'm leaning towards Middle Tennessee, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if UTSA won this game. Yeah, I think um, we see the letdown happen week after week in college yeah. athletics. Scott, you just it's recognized it with what happened to Tulane last weekend. Um UTSA is a really, really good program right now. It's been a little more stable uh, and, and more so on the rise in the last couple of years, I would say, than what MTSU has been. Taking nothing away from the Blue Raiders last weekend because that was no fluke, as you alluded to, Zach. Uh, MTSU, Rick Stockstill and company absolutely controlled that game. So um, there, there's a lot to like in this contest, but I, I just expect the Roadrunners to get it done, even though we've now seen – uh, MTSU get that Miami win. We also know that Stockstill has gotten the contract extension. Um, and kudos to them because they had a an offseason of a lot of upheaval. But MTSU has certainly not only solidified itself, but, but found a way to flourish the last three months of the season. It's just hard to get uh, the image of that, that James Madison box score out of my mind um, when they're stepping back into conference play just for what James Madison did to MTSU opening up the season. San Diego State, Boise. Dirk Cutter is going to call the offense uh, for Boise. Big potential for them to come out and just be different. Um, be be who Boise has been. San Diego State's good football team uh, has been up and down, up and down. Uh, I suspect they'll come to play. That has, that has great potential as well. And that's going to be a that's going to be a good game. It's going to be a one one score game late. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Scott, you've been sounding the alarm at our podcast these last few weeks of like, you know, what's going on at Stanford? What's going on at Northwestern? I think we should sound a similar alarm to, to Boise. I mean, their, their issues have been uh, documented at this point, but they've not been winning, you know, like Boise for a while, and even. You know, not even holding them to the standard of the where they were at Chris, uh, the Chris Peterson days, which you know is unrealistic. Even by recent, you know, Brian Harson Boise standards, they've been down. And you know, I'm not, I'm not sure right now. They're from what we've seen so far. I'm not sure they're a top half team in the Mountain West. And so the 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 name brand of this game, you know, San Diego State or Boise has played for a Mountain West title every single year since 2013, I believe it is. So these are the two biggest name brands in that conference, and I don't really know if either one of them is that good. So uh, it'll be interesting to tune into that game from that perspective for me. And what, what surprises me about Boise right now is that they've got Hank Bachmeyer, so they have a very veteran quarterback. Well, he transferred. He's out. He's yeah. out. Oh, he yeah. was there. I missed that. He was on the sidelines just like – I don't know. I felt like early. yeah, he was there last this past week. He's yeah, like, I'm out, guys. Just announced transfer portal. Time to yeah, do. I completely missed that this week. So yeah. um, that's on me. But again, like he had been there, and we've seen this from them. Uh, but I expect Boise to win this game at home and um, to again Dirk Cutter. When you can make a coordinator switch a month into the season and tap into a former NFL head coach. Um, that, that's pretty good for Boise. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. 
All right, Washington UCLA has again fireworks potential. Washington is well coached, uh, obviously. So is Chip Kelly's team. Washington just seems to be on upswing. UCLA, we never really know what we're going to get there. I think they'll come to play. I think it'll be a really good football game. Yeah, uh, there's three games this weekend pitting four and out teams against each other. Two of them are arguably the two biggest games of the weekend: Clemson, NC State, Kentucky, Ole Miss, and then you have this one. And I, I think I agree with you, Scott. Like, I don't really expect UCLA to come out and, and hang with Washington, which is not a sentence I has found myself saying a month ago. Well, I'm not, too sure. I'm not sure that's really what I'm saying. I, you okay. never know what Chip's going to give you. I think Chip has the potential to shock him, but I think Washington's the better team, and we'll see what happens. You know, that's why you play the games. Well, Michael Penix, look what he's doing flourishing for the Huskies. Um, after he was so critical to what Indiana was able to do in 2020, even though he ended up going down hurt in that season, he was such a huge part of the uh, what at the time was a transcendental win for the Hoosiers against Penn State. Penix is the guy that dived and, and just nicked the pylon to give the Hoosiers like a 36-35 overtime win against Penn State, just a sensational player. Now he's reunited uh, with some of those guys. You got Nick Sheridan on staff out there with the Huskies. He's playing well. When I was when I was looking up Shadur Sanders' stats this week after Dion started touting his son for the Heisman and was comparing him to some of the top FBS quarterbacks, Michael Penix is right there. I mean, Michael Penix is right there in touchdowns accounted for. He's playing brilliantly, and he he's a huge part of why Washington looks so good here early in the Kalen DeBoer tenure. New Mexico and UNLV, I know little about this game other than UNLV is a different team than they were in the past, um, which is great. This is kind of what we all thought Marcus Arroyo was going to get to. Seems to be there. New Mexico, uh, you know, I, I know the LSU game, and that's about it. And that wasn't worth mentioning. Yeah, I, I mean, I just think it's a win that we can expect UNLV to take care of. And we haven't been able to say that in, in a long time about the running Rebels. But I do think the program has solidified. I can tell you the coaches and agents around the country uh, have texted me in the last couple of weeks and say to say, like, Hey, UNLV is a lot improved. Um, people are paying attention to the improvement that UNLV continues to show on the field. So I used to think the 11 a.m. slot on Saturday was relegated to – I won't even say it because it's going to hurt Zach's feelings. Anyway, there's some outstanding ball in the 11 a.m. window, and I think that's like TV saying, hey, there is such appetite for college football. We can put great games there and just start the day – and it's like, you know, the old saying, you know, you can't drink all day unless, you know, you start in the morning. It's You can't college football all day unless you start in the morning. Let's go Michigan, Iowa. Zach, in your on-the-line piece on footballscoop.com, you had an interesting note about uh, Jim Harbaugh's success or lack thereof at Kinnick. Yeah, so Jim Harbaugh, he's played there three times with, with Michigan, played or coached there, and never won. Uh, the first time was 84. Uh he had a broken arm, didn't play. They got shut out. Next year, they he comes back. I uh, I should have this in front of me. Michigan is number one, and Iowa's number two, or flip play. It's a one-two game, huge game. Iowa wins 12 to 10. And then you flash forward to 2016. Michigan's undefeated, number two. They lose to Iowa 14-13. Uh, you know, Iowa has a long history of just being a black hole for uh, top five teams, specifically. You know, when you see these 
these top five, you know, the, the Michigans, the Ohio States, the Penn States, when they go to Iowa, it's like the Bermuda Triangle of the Big Ten. And, I mean, Iowa's defense is – Iowa's offense is, is what it is, but Iowa's defense is legit. Uh, in, in 2016, you know, Michigan was scoring 48 points a game and came, went there and scored 13. So far this season, Michigan scored 50 points a game. A lot of that's built on one of the easiest non-conference schedules. They look mortal against Maryland. Now they got to go on the road for the first time, play a real defense. Like this is one of those games where anything can happen. Like it, I, I, I feel like Scott. I'm so excited for this game. So I'm, uh, I'm Zach. You've been bullish on Michigan all season. To your credit, you've been very consistent about thinking that the Wolverines are a top four uh, CFP type contender. I've disagreed on that, but as it comes to this game. I'm going to agree with your original sentiment. I think that Michigan goes in and completely takes care of business. And I know all the history. I've seen a really good Ohio State team lose there before. Um, I'm familiar with those other games you referenced. But I just don't have remotely enough belief to think that Iowa can outscore a competent Big Ten offense. Um, And I think that Michigan's offense is very competent. And I think that Michigan's defense – um, is better than probably what we saw last week in the Maryland game. And also Maryland's got a pretty dynamic quarterback in Talia Tonga-Valoa. So um, for those reasons, I fully expect, even though um, you have a lot of history on your side, I think that Michigan absolutely handles business in this contest. Yeah, I mean, they should, like, for sure. Like, th- there's some games where if you're a coach and your messaging is, guys, it's going to be a four-quarter game. Don't get up too high. You know, we, we got to play our best all the way to the end. If you're Jim Harbaugh, I think you're messaging all week is guys, we got to start fast. If you get them in a 14 nothing deficit, uh, it's going to be extremely hard for Iowa to, to climb out of that, especially considering their offense isn't good and it hasn't pinched pinch it to turn the ball over. Like if you get them 14 nothing early, if you come out with a, 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 a great script, get an opening drive touchdown, get a stop, you're making Iowa is climbing up, is walking uphill with a 30 pound backpack or a 300-pound backpack on his back. Yeah, I mean, if Michigan gets to 21 points in this game, the Wolverines have to feel like it would take Iowa the rest of the month to get there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and and Saturday's October 1st, so I'm <laughs> aware of that. Kentucky can make a short stop in the Grove, I'm sure, on their way into the vault. Uh, that's a big game, boys. Kentucky, Ole Miss, somebody loses and – it might not even look that bad for them. Somebody wins, and they're they're propelled uh, up into the conversation of the playoff. How, how do you see this one playing out? Well, it's the return of Chris Rodriguez for Kentucky. How much impact does that have? How much can Kentucky keep the ball out of Ole Miss's hands? I know this is not the Ole Miss offense of a year ago with Matt Corral and some of those wide receivers and all that the the Rebels were able to do. Um, Matter of fact, I think Ole Miss is number two in power five uh, rushing offense. So they're doing whatever they have to do to win ball games. Um, Ole Miss has yet to play a complete four-quarter game, in my opinion. We've heard Lane Kiffin make quite a bit of stir uh, about the fan atmosphere, especially in the second half of last week's game against Tulsa, where he said it looked like a high school game after halftime. Uh, I would expect, even though it's an 11 a.m. kickoff there in the Grove, I would expect it to be a noisy, raucous, just roaring environment. And Will Levis, for all the hype, has thrown 17 or 18 
interceptions in 17 or 18 career games at Kentucky. So he's splendidly talented, um, but sometimes that gunslinger mentality has led him to turnovers. I think home field is the difference in this game, just to be honest with you. If it was if it was on the synthetic bluegrass in the Commonwealth, I would pick Kentucky. Um, it's in the Grove, and I've already turned in my picks to Zach, and I have uh, Lane Kiffin's Land Sharks getting it done. No, nobody even knows how will Kentucky even see the Ole Miss defenders with those new camouflage helmets. Real treat, baby. Let's go. Okay, John, I got a question for you. So I'm not going to bore you guys with the details, but I think I have the potential to win my college football fantasy league if I go all in on Ole Miss beating Kentucky on Saturday. Should I do that or should I let it ride? You can't even answer that question. We, uh, the fact that you brought up fantasy – and uh, I'm sorry – Zach, if there was a gong, if there was a button where I could, like, let's see if I can like take you off. The Zach, I'm, I'm always, I'm always all. <laughs> you just bumped him. That's brutal. Zach, if you can still hear me, I'm always for shoving everything to the middle of the table. Always, always shove to the middle of the table. I'm going to be in Vegas next week. Always shove to the middle of the table. All in. Oklahoma is at TCU again. This one. Could- could be an incredible ballgame. Guys, we're still in the 11 a.m. window and we haven't gotten to some of the best stuff. Oklahoma TCU, Zach, give me some thoughts. And don't talk about fantasy football again. Uh, in, in real life, uh, I think TCU wins this game. I do. I think this is a game I had circled from the start of the season. And uh, the, the, the events of the past two weeks only solidified that. Oklahoma, uh, the, their offense has been pretty boomer bust. Like, it seems like uh, they either hit big plays or they don't move the ball at all. And uh, I think I think TCU's got a better quarterback. I think TCU's got better skill talent. Um, you know, you you like Brent Venable's ability to to rally his team coming off a loss and have his full team's attention. But uh, I'm not convinced that Oklahoma is the better team. They're the higher rate team. They have more tradition. But I mean, uh, doggone Max Duggan has been. He's played like a Lincoln Riley quarterback so far. He's the most efficient quarterback in college football so far this season. Um, obviously, yeah, smallish sample size. I think he's only thrown like 63 passes, but just about every one of them goes for about 12 yards. The, the, the one thing that does worry me is TCU did not protect him very well at all against SMU, and Oklahoma's shown an ability to get to the passer. They're like 11th in, in sacks per game. So I, I think they'll probably get to him three times. Is that enough for Oklahoma to spring the upset in my mind? I don't think so. I think TCU – uh, has the, the the horses, the game plan, the coaching. I think the fact that it's in Fort Worth, I think TCU wins. So two first-year staffs, I find that that really compelling, a, a great element of this game because these are two programs uh, trying to position themselves for both the here and now and the future. Um, then you've got TCU coming off a really emotional win last weekend against SMU. You've got Oklahoma ticked off for the loss that it had last weekend. Um, And the fact that, yes, it's at TCU, but it's at 11 a.m. instead of 7 p.m., I think those things give Oklahoma a a solid chance to go ahead and get back on track in this contest. Oklahoma's used to playing that 11 a.m. Just say that. Purdue is at Minnesota. I like the fighting P.J. Flex. (coughs) Purdue, when when they have their quarterback and other things, they, they got a shot to shock people. I don't see it happening here. Any objections? Nope. Nay. Moving, on. Moving on. Texas Tech is at Kansas State. Again, real potential for an awesome football game here. 
Yeah, I mean, I think Kansas State's going to win this game. I think, you know, Tech, to their credit, beat Texas. But that I think the way that game played out is a, a, a game Tech wins one or two out of ten times. Like, they were six of eight on fourth down. That's not something you can replicate. Donovan Smith was a difference maker that game. I'll give him credit. But the way Adrian Martinez played this past Saturday, uh, I, I, I think K-State wins. And I, I, I don't give Tech much of a chance to win this game. <laughs> Homer. Put it on the, put it on the bulletin boards. And look. Not much of a chance. No, <laughs> oh my goodness. I hope it gets on their bulletin board. I think it will be a great game, uh, a fourth quarter game. I have more confidence in this being a down-to-the-wire fourth quarter game than I do San Diego State at Boise State. I think it's going to be a very good football game. Very, very good football game. Uh, two good coaching staffs there. A couple of things, a couple of quick games. I'm going to run through you real fast. Georgia State at Army. Georgia State is better than you think. Army's always got fight. I think Georgia State, I, I don't disagree, but I think they've also lost. Like I think they have the nation's longest active losing streak. They keep losing, but they're better than you think. That's It's crazy. I, yeah. 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 Moving on. Illinois at Wisconsin. Burt. Burt is back. And he's got a, a a vintage Wisconsin team. They're top five in uh, in in yards per play defense. Ryan Walters has been one of the, the you know rising stars of defense coordinators so far this season. They're running the ball. They're top twenty five offense in in uh, in uh, rushing. So it, it, it looks like you know, a vintage Burt team playing at Wisconsin. Uh, I don't really know who's going to win the game to be honest with you, but I'm excited to to watch it. Yeah, and, and Illinois should be undefeated. I mean, Illinois handed away the game against Indiana. Yeah. It controlled that contest almost yeah. throughout, had no business losing that game. And I don't think that's a very good Indiana team, just to be honest with you. Um, this is another game, though. It's a referendum game, in my opinion, on Wisconsin for what we've talked about on this pod recently, particularly as recently as last week. I mean, who is Wisconsin? Where are the Badgers going? Um, and this is a big game in, in terms of that. Louisville at BC. I'm disappointed in BC. Um, Louisville has steadied itself. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, got really well last weekend against a South Florida team that just the week before had nearly won at Florida. Um, Louisville had every chance in the world to beat Florida State. Prior to that, uh, again, this is Louisville team has looked night and day from the team that was embarrassed to open the season against Syracuse. Again, you talk to people around college football. There's a lot of people taking note. Scott Satterfield and company still have to win a bunch of games to feel good about things there. But this is a Louisville team that right now isn't showing like recent years. It's showing it's playing much better. It's playing with much better character on the field. I like Louisville. I like Louisville too. BC hasn't looked right. Uh, I don't know yeah. why that is, but they have not looked right. It'll be interesting. I'd be surprised if BC gets it right and, and puts it on them, but we'll see. Uh, Navy is at Air Force. Navy is just not, and we've been saying this for a couple of years now, Navy's just not right. Air Force going that game. Moving on. Memphis, I'm sorry, Temple's at Memphis. Any thoughts on that one real quick? Memphis. Big game. I mean, Temple, Temple first-year staff is struggling. There's a lot of uh, charismatic guys on that team. I'm curious to see what they do in years two, three, and four, understand Drayton and company. Um, but Memphis has to win this game. For sure. All right, Oregon State's at Utah. Great potential there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Oregon State's one of those teams that, you know, we talk about is probably better than people give them credit for, and yet they start their Pac-12 season with the two highest-ranked teams 
in the Pac-12, probably the two best teams in USC and Utah. They got to go on the road. Uh, although the Beavers did beat they did beat Utah last season, and this is a better Oregon State team. It's probably not as good of a Utah team. So I don't know. This, this should be a fun game. And uh, let me check: Do we get to watch it? No, no, we did not. Nope. Two weeks in a row. No, we don't. We don't. We don't get to see the best game in the pack. I, I saw somebody explaining it. Each team is required to have like three games on whatever that nebulous network is. Um, and so here we are all talking about a game that we're not going to see. I think that Oregon State, you guys know, I've, I've worn my Beaver shirt before. I've been beating the drum for Jonathan Smith. I think he's really freaking good. Um, but Oregon State, I think, is probably um, a little beat up from last weekend's game against Southern Cal physically and mentally. And as you noted, Zach, Utah's got a little payback in mind. Um, if this was a night game, I would think that Oregon State would be in a lot of trouble. It's a mid-afternoon matinee there and the, at the base of the Wasatch Mountains. I enjoyed what you just said. Nice to hear you. Matinee, Wasatch Mountains. God bless you. All right, I'm going to throw, throw a play or something. <laughs> I'm going to throw you a curveball. might be a little slider. might hit the dirt. Northern Illinois, Ball State, each team has one win. A loss here for either team is not good. Northern Illinois uh, gave Kentucky more than they hand, more than they bargained for last week. That game was closer than the experts thought. So, based on that, I'll take Northern Illinois. Yeah, and Northern Illinois, um, like the week before that or two weeks before that, maybe had a halftime lead at Vanderbilt. Um, so, Northern Illinois is certainly uh, well tested. Ball State was uh, completely obliterated to open the season. By Tennessee um, and Northern Illinois was a really fine team a year ago. I expect the the Huskies to get it done in this game. All right, I'm gonna give you 10 seconds on East Carolina at South Florida. At some point, you got to feel like South Florida has to win a game. Yeah, I don't think it's this. One. It's not this week. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's got to be frustrating for them to play good enough to win at Florida and then just get blown off the field by Louisville. Some point, South Florida has to turn this thing around, or else, yeah. Alabama is at Arkansas, boys. Let's go. Yes, let's go. Like the Arkansas situation to me is what's is what we all love about college football because it is an Arkansas team that I mean they, that whole drive flight back from Arlington to Fayetteville. They've every single one of them have to be asking themselves, "How the heck did we lose this game? How did we lose this game?" And then now. You know, if they have any hope of winning an SEC championship, making the playoff, anything like that, they got to turn around and win against Alabama at home. Like their backs are up against the wall. This should be, you know, their best game because they have no other option, and it's against Alabama. And they haven't won in a long time, but it, it's going to be they're doing a crimson out for some reason against a team that wears crimson. But uh, it, the, the atmosphere should be electric. Uh, Alabama's history, their recent history is a big time road favorite it has not been good. Like they, they've covered the spread once. They should have lost to Texas this year. Their, their pass protection is, is shaky. Arkansas has maybe the best pass rush in college football. I think, I think Arkansas has a good chance to win this game because of those factors. And I can't wait to watch this game. I think that Arkansas does not have a very good chance to win this game for all of the things that you outlined, Zach, and the fact that it plays right into to Nick Saban's uh, sort of way of dealing with things and operating. Everybody's questioning how mortal this Alabama team is. 
all week long. Um, I've watched some podcasts. I've caught up on some reading. Everybody's talking about or asking the question, does this Alabama team lack the killer mentality? Well, I think this is the weekend um, that we probably see Alabama's killer mentality come out um, to play. And so I think Alabama is really, really good. Um, We saw Georgia absent the killer mentality last weekend against Kent State. It happens to everybody. The bigger picture issue for me with this game is that this game, perhaps more than any other this entire weekend, is why we have to get the college football playoff expanded sooner rather than later um, because Arkansas very well is likely to have a neutral site loss against a really talented Texas A&M team and a home loss to number two Alabama and practically have its season ended right now. Whereas I think Arkansas is a top 12 team in the country and will play like it for the majority of the year and should at least go into late November thinking it can make the playoffs. So to me, this is, this is a game that symbolizes exactly why we need expanded playoffs. I I hear you and I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I think I can make the devil's, the devil's advocate argument against it because if if we had a 12-team playoff and the conversation around Arkansas would be like, well, you know, don't get blown out, win out, and you're probably fine. Whereas now it's like, you guys got to win this game or your season, for the most part, you know, the, the high level of your season goals are done. So this 60 minutes is your season, and that's what's going to make this game so fun, at least for me. I think it's a great game. I'm excited to see this game. I just think that, um, again, and, and there are others that you could correlate it to. If Ole Miss stubs its toe against Kentucky, we know the Rebels still have Mississippi State, LSU, Alabama, Texas A&M all waiting down the road on their schedule. So there, there's the argument out there that an expanded playoff will be really bad for the regular season. I am completely in the opposite corner of that because as much as I hated the wild card in baseball when it came around, I've seen what it's done for Major League Baseball. I think Barry Odom's defense comes to play. I think this can be a really good football game. On the other side of the field, I don't think Rutgers-Ohio State's going to be a very good football game, so I'm not going to talk about it. Oklahoma State is at Baylor. Big football, I mean, another bonkers game. It should be – I. you know, I'm on record thinking Oklahoma State goes to the playoffs, so I think they go to Waco to win. Uh, you know, Mike Gundy's record in, in games such as these is really good. Uh, I, I think I'm still a little bit skeptical. I know we had a good game last year. I'm still skeptical that Blake Shapin can sit in the pocket and pick you apart defensively, and Oklahoma State's probably got the best pass rush in the Big 12, maybe in all college football. So I, I like Oklahoma State to, to – uh, go on the road and, and get a win and, you know, a modicum of revenge for last year's title game. I agree. That's, that's about all I have to say. I think it's not a great matchup for Baylor. I think Baylor finds a way. I just, that's, I'm picking Baylor. They got a great coach. They got great coaches. Northwestern is at Penn State. Northwestern's just not playing right. Do they have a shot to, to surprise them? They shouldn't, so. but stranger things have happened. Like uh, I've gotten on the line there. They're uh, like fifteen and two in even numbered uh, years in the Big Ten, and they won their last trip to, to Beaver Stadium. So if you're a Northwestern fan, maybe go uh, you know, stuff those numbers in your pocket and go do a rain dance or something. Wake at Florida State. I think this one is a shootout. I think this game gets played. You know, high twenties, high thirties. And personally, I think Wake's got more guns. So I'm on Wake, but we'll see. 
I just think it's going to be by far and away the best atmosphere at Dope Campbell in Tallahassee in a really long time since, since Jimbo was there. And um, it's a statement game for, for Florida State. Um, we've seen Florida State be able to beat LSU. We've seen it find a way to win at Louisville. I just think this is an absolutely critical game in sustaining the momentum for Florida State. And certainly Wake Forest has got to be reeling just a little bit from the way that, that things unfolded last weekend against Clemson and just really leaving so much on the line. Yeah, it's been fun to see the Florida State faithful believe again, and it's been fun to watch Wake Forest play offense. So those two factors should make it fun again. Johnny Wilson, one of my favorite players, the six seven receiver at, at FSU. I, I look for him to to make a big catch late in the Knowles to, to pull it out. I uh, Florida State shut down campus uh, with the hurricane coming through the state. Uh, I think they sent pretty much in all their students home, not, not the football team, football team stayed together. Um, but I think it's going to make for an odd atmosphere Saturday. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, I, I think Wake shocks them. We'll see. Iowa State's at Kansas. And I suspect, but don't know that we all picked Kansas because I think Kansas is a better football team. I do. Yeah. Uh, the, the Kansas defense is, it's going to get them at some point. They're like in the one twenties. In, in the all the efficiency numbers, but the offense has just been the biggest revelation in college football. Jalen Daniels has played like a Heisman candidate so far. And I think they, I think they can, yeah, I agree. I think they outscore Iowa State this weekend. Yeah. I, I mean, they, they've given up a lot of points to Kansas defense. They've not exactly played slap offenses either. I mean, they've played some, some pretty explosive offenses or some pretty skilled offenses along the way. I think that Jalen Daniels is the X factor, the difference maker in this. And uh, much like we talked about with Michael Penix, uh, I think being an early front runner for Pac-12 offensive player of the year, I think we can very easily and have already made the argument the same way for Jalen Daniels. And I just think that um, what Lance Leipold and company are doing um, is nothing short of flat out remarkable. Here, here's the stat for you. And um, I'm surprised that I didn't learn it from Zach, but I learned it from a, from some Kansas fans. And yes, there are some. Um, and that is last weekend with the win, uh, Lance Leipold in, in a year and a half now has equaled Charlie Weiss's win total at Kansas. They both have six wins at Kansas. So giddy up. I love that stat. I said I would use it. Giddy up, Lance Leipold. You passed Charlie Weiss as one of Kansas's winningest coaches this weekend. I think I had uh, ejected from my memory that Charlie Weiss was at Kansas. Intentionally. <laughs> wow. I think Notre Dame's finally stopped paying it. Wow. That just set me back a little bit there. Okay, so we're 35 minutes into this podcast. We still got a lot of great games. We're going to go a little shorter on some of these. Michigan State and Maryland. You don't want to lose this game. It puts you in a real bad spot. Especially, I mean, yeah, I, that, that it's 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 a loser leaves town type game with two zero one teams in, in conference play. Virginia Tech at North Carolina. North Carolina is neither one of these teams. I don't think are very good. North Carolina's defense is horrendous. North Carolina's offense is fun though. Yep. Good talk. Uh, Miami of Ohio coming off a big one at Buffalo. Any insight, guys? Buffalo has steadied itself a little bit off to a really disappointing start. I'm actually wearing the the buff swag today, so um, I got to go with Khalil Mackey to get the win this weekend. Great, Khalil Mackey, love it. Texas A&M is at Mississippi State. 
It's never any fun to go to Starkville in life. <laughs> That's I like, state. I like state. I like I state. I like I mean, state and think that um, tales of Starkville are um, unfair. I've uh, enjoyed my trips to Starkville uh, when my dad first took me there as, as a young kid. For, for a Tennessee-Mississippi State game way back in the day to working some games there. Um, I like It's not the easiest place in the world to get to, but it's always a fun atmosphere. I like it. so And I like Mississippi State to get it done this weekend. Yeah, the subtext of it's never any fun to go to Starkville. That, I'll have to be laughing at that all day. Yeah, I, I, it makes me nervous that we all agree that State's going to win because A&M has been uh, living on borrowed time these past two weeks either – Either their offense gets a lot better or they lose the game. And I, I think State wins, so uh, that makes me nervous that AM is going to win because we're all, we all agree. Well, AM lost uh, Anaya Smith for the season. Yeah. I think that's huge. Yeah. Georgia Southern's at Coastal Carolina. Game could be impacted by weather. Thoughts on that one? I, I, Coastal Carolina. I just love what Jamie Chadwell has done. Uh, Chad Staggs uh, is a really underrated defensive coordinator. He's maybe in, in that grouping of guys that are going to be head coaches next. Um, he could be the head coach at Coastal Carolina if Jamie Chadwell was to get a Georgia Tech or something. But what that staff has done in developing talent, you've got Staggs and Skylar McGee on the defensive side of the ball. It's a really, really impressive staff. And then you still got Grayson McCall, who's really, really good. Yeah, really fun to watch him operate that offense. South Alabama at Louisiana Lafayette has potential. I like South in the game. Yeah, I mean, not an easy place to win, though. Yeah, Louisiana had the nation's longest winning streak is bound to end at some point, but then to lose to Rice and ULM in back-to-back weeks, ooh. Oof. But, yeah. Oof. Yeah, moving on. Lost to Monroe. Cal at uh, Wazoo. Big game. Yeah, uh, I mean, Wazoo's uh, one of a uh, list a handful of teams that's got it's to – you know, pick itself up off the mat, having lost the game, it should have won. So uh, it'll be. I'll be watching the game from that perspective. How much does does Washington State? How much fight do they have in them after last week's loss? You'll be watching the box score because it's on Pac-12, so you will not be watching the game, Zach. <laughs> it is true. Transitioning, six p.m. window. I will be at LSU Auburn. I'll be on the sidelines. Looking forward to that one. Uh, I suspect LSU gets it done there, I but. Think that- yeah. It ain't easy. No, it's it's been a series full of chaos. I was there in, in Death Valley a few years ago when uh, Auburn led that game, and then LSU staged a miraculous fourth-quarter comeback to get the win. Might have been one of Orgeron's first games uh, at the helm. Uh, so this is a series that's been full of chaos, but this is not an LSU team that I think is prone to some of the mental lapses we saw under the previous regime. I think that Brian Kelly is continuing to stabilize and get his footing there in the program. Uh, He's got a great number of transfers that are helping. And I think that Auburn's a soap opera right now. LSU's quarterback has impressed me uh, getting better every week. Uh, LSU needs to, you know, I, I hear what you're saying about not making mistakes. They made, they made a lot of special teams mistakes. We need to see that continue to stop. Uh, for LSU to, to, to thrive. We'll see. A game that has potential, Troy at Western Kentucky? Uh, Troy, I like, Troy's going to fight you. Western Kentucky's going to try and outscore you. Yeah. I mean, Western beat, beat uh, FAU, FIU 73 nothing last week. Biggest conference 
V Conference uh, blowout since 2016. So it's tough for me to, to pick against them coming off of a game like that. Georgia at Missouri. Georgia. Good talk. NC State at Clemson. This is huge. Yeah. Go ahead, John. No, I was just going to say, like, <clears throat> I've, I've said it for weeks um, that people after one one half, basically, against Georgia Tech were, were quick to bury DJ Ungalalele back in the heap of a year ago. He's much improved. I think I saw this week it's 10 interceptions or I mean, 10 touchdowns in one interception, whereas a year ago he had like 10 touchdowns and nine interceptions. He's much better. Will Shipley is really emerging as that next super great Clemson running back. This game is going to be at home. I expect Clemson, honestly, to win by 14-plus. I mean, it's the uh, – as, as I wrote on the line, I don't want to come out and pretend I'm some NC State historian and declare this is the biggest game in NC State history – but it's the first NC State game where they've been in the AP Top 10 and they've played an AP Top 10 opponent. Clemson's done it 21 times in the Dabo era. The fact that it's at Clemson makes you lean Clemson. I think DJU versus the NC State pass defense is going to be really fun to watch because he lit, he torched Wake last week. Wake averaged to not good in the, back, in the defensive backfield. NC State uh, is number six defensively against the pass. Uh, they picked Donovan Smith a couple times against Tech uh, when they when they beat Tech, held them to 14 points. They went out and played much better the, the next week. So at least you believe NC State is really good in the back end. So uh, great opportunity for DJU to go out and prove that he's really is improved. Yeah, and I, I just think again the difference is um, not only is DJ not turning it over, but again he's using his legs more and he has Will Shipley. Yeah. I like Clemson to find a way. I think NC State's uh, going to give it all to them, too. So, we'll see. West Virginia travels to Austin. Yeah. Uh, so, it seems like Texas is at the point where they need Quinn Ewers to return, not because Hudson Carr has been bad, but they just need a, a shot in the arm. And as of Thursday, midday, it doesn't look like he's going to play. So, I think it's a 50-50 ball game. Uh, the, I've had questions about uh, Texas – playing defensively since before Pete Kukowski was even higher. And they just don't seem like they're playing in sync on that side of the ball. They don't seem like they're scheming in sync on that side of the ball. West Virginia has a big bruising running back, some big receivers, big arm quarterback, JT Daniels. So if you're Neil Brown, you got to say, guys, if we get this to deep fourth quarter, UT will find a way to, to let us win this game. One thing I think is, is pertinent, certainly relevant here, is the fact that, that West Virginia played last Thursday. So the Mounts had two extra days to not only heal up from a rivalry game against Virginia Tech, but then that coaching staff was able to watch Texas live against Texas Tech and begin and have it already begun its scouting work. So I do think that's significant. But Texas um, had a chance, had every chance to win last week. Texas will take care of business this week. West Virginia playing at night in Texas always is fun. It's entertaining. The, the 2012 game was probably the, one of the best atmospheres of all time that Geno Smith came out and they won like 50-48 or something like that. It was awesome. All right, I'm going to run through a couple of quick ones. Indiana and Nebraska is a football game. Virginia at Duke could be entertaining. Yeah, could be. The Indiana and Nebraska, Indiana's lost nine straight Big Ten games. Nebraska's lost nine straight games against FBS teams, so something's got to give. And, and Virginia Duke is, again, two first-year coaching staffs 
Um, I think we've both had moments of being impressed by each program. Duke is so incredibly well coached um, that I really like the Blue Devils at home in this game. I do too. San Jose State's got or at Wyoming potential for a good game. I mean, the, the schedule is fantastic. Moving on. Georgia Tech is going to lose to Pittsburgh. That's life. Colorado is not going to score against Arizona. Arizona will get a win, which is good for Arizona. Arizona State at SC? Nah. nah. No. Moving on. Stanford, Oregon? Nah. Okay, so the fact that we're just – I mean, so for, for a solid seven years, this was the Pac-12, Pac-10 championship game. From 29 to 15, either Oregon or Stanford won that conference. Uh, they played in – each team played in five – BCS, New Year's Six Bowls in those seven years. And if Oregon wins this game, which we all expect them to do, Stanford will be 2-10 in its last 12 Pac-12 games. Their worst stretch since the end of the Walt Harris, beginning of the Jim Harbaugh days. So put some numbers behind what you've been saying in this podcast, Scott. Thanks, sir. So that's the last game Saturday. But wait, there's more. We got Sunday college football through the storm. Uh Eastern Washington's at Florida. I'm not going to spend too much time on that, although it could be entertaining in a weird day. Eastern Washington comes out and throws the ball around. We'll see what happens. And then you got SMU at UCF. Uh, that one could be highly entertaining. Yeah. You got Rhett taking on uh, Gus. Gus. Yep. Yeah. And uh, SMU can throw the ball real well. UCF can't. So good, good game. It's going to be a great weekend, gentlemen. Always is. Thank you guys for listening to the Football Scoop Podcast. We're going to cut this one short, although we've run 45 minutes. Everybody have a great weekend, and uh, we'll catch you on the back end. We're out.